There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good are these for so many? What good are these for so many? You know, God doesn't need much to do great things. He doesn't need much. But he does need all. You see, very often we feel like we don't have much to offer. Like we have so many responsibilities in our life. Life is pressing on us from all sides and we just don't have enough to be able to even just respond to the basic necessities of getting through our week, much less be able to strive in a a direction of self-improvement, of holiness, of service. No, very often we feel overwhelmed And like we just don't quite have what it takes. We feel like we don't have much to offer God, and so we don't offer anything at all. We just say, you know what, my relationship with you, whatever you're calling me to do, we'll put that on the back burner, because let's face it, God, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Or we give him whatever small part of ourselves is left over after we've given our time and energy and attention to everything else. First, we serve the world. First, we serve our worries. And only then do we serve our Lord. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. God doesn't need much. He can do so much with so little. But he does need all. Now, What do I mean by that? Well, you may feel like you have way too little to bring to the table, not enough for all that life is demanding of you. But I think it's helpful to imagine, what would this story look like if the young man, this boy, with five loaves of fish, or five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread and two fishes, had held a little bit back? I'm actually convinced that this miracle of the multiplication of the lo- multiplication of the loaves wouldn't have occurred because it is this beautiful interplay between God's generosity and man's generosity between man's trust in God and God's goodness toward man. This miracle hinges on the fact that this boy said, "I have nowhere near enough to feed this whole crowd, but what I have I'll give. I have nowhere near enough to be able to meet the demands of my life." But all that I have and all that I am, Lord, it's yours. Every part of who I am, it's yours, even though I feel all those parts don't add up to enough to get through this life well. But you know what? You can use it. There are so many ways that this young boy could have just listened to the doubts that play through our own minds all the time. He could have said, well... What good are my measly five loaves and my two little fish? You know what? I don't even want to be embarrassed bringing that to them. Obviously, it's not going to be enough, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. How often is it that we do that? That we feel like there are parts of us that God can't use, and so we don't even bring them to the light of our relationship with Him. We just kind of keep them to ourselves and say, Yeah, I'm not worth much. I'm not very useful to God, so I'm just going to stay here, arm's length away from him. Bring those things to Jesus. 
This boy, he might have also thought of himself first. He might have said, you know what, what am I going to eat? Right? I mean, I get that like this whole crowd's hungry, but I got to eat first. So maybe I've got five loaves, I've got two fishes. Let's settle on this. I keep a loaf for myself, I keep a fish for myself, the rest Jesus can take. Ultimately, that's a fear of trusting God with certain parts of our life. We hold them back. We say, no, 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 this part I need to keep control over. This part I can't trust you with because I need it. I need it for me. Bring those parts to Jesus. You see, it's, it takes an enormous amount of trust to be able to present God with all that we have and all that we are and to say, I trust that you can do something with this. I trust that you can not only do something, but do a great thing with this, my little life. But very often, those parts that we give to God, we want to sanitize them first. We think, yeah, I'm going to give him the nice parts, the highlight reel. No, he wants everything. The incredible thing about our God is that he can not only multiply for his glory and for the good of his people, five loaves and two fish, he can do that with every single part of our lives, even our sins. That's, that's the insane part of this whole equation of God's love, is that even when we give him our sins, he can work a miracle of glory through that. He can change our character through those sins that we've given to him, that we've given up um, and turned our backs on ourselves. Nothing is wasted with the Lord, because he can multiply everything. But how do we do it, right? Because we can talk uh, all we want about how, oh yeah, I need to give everything to Jesus. I need to give everything to Jesus. But what does that actually look like? Well, thankfully, we read in the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, kind of what it looks like. Brothers and sisters, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, one body and one Spirit, as you were also called to the one hope of your call. St. Paul urges us to live in a manner worthy of the call we have received. What is the call that we received, and where did we receive it? Crickets. What was the call that we received? What are we called into by Jesus Christ? I mean, there are plenty of different things. You might be thinking, oh, well, Father, you were called to be a priest. I was called to uh, marry this lovely woman right next to me. Uh, Yeah, those are secondary vocations. This is a beautiful thing. But every single one of us was called to something unspeakably dignified. We were called to be sons and daughters of God Most High at our baptism. And indeed, we were changed into that. So the question is not now, are you a son or are you a daughter? It's, do you live as a son or do you live as a daughter? Do you live with that trust in God as Father to whom you can give everything that you have and everything that you are, trusting that he will do something great through you? In baptism, all of us were called to be citizens of heaven, saints saints. And yet so often we sell ourselves short. We say, I've only got five loaves and two fishes. 
That's not even enough to, to deal with one day's problems, much, rest, much less the rest of my life. And God says, give it to me. And I can actually make a saint out of you. And so we can reflect today. What are those parts of my life that I need to give to the Lord anew? What parts of my life have I kind of compartmentalized and said, no, 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 God, you don't have access into this room here. Into my hopes and desires or into my, my shame. This, this uh, sin that I've been fighting maybe for months or years or even decades. And I, I just don't want to talk to you about it because I, I feel guilty and I feel judged. Could be certain relationships. Right? Maybe it is someone in our own family that maybe we've had a falling out with. And we haven't been able to speak to them or be with them for years, even decades. Maybe that's the part of my, my life that I'm keeping from the Lord. And I'm saying, no, 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 I need to take care of this first and then I can give it to you. And God says, you will never be able to take care of it without me. Just like that boy would never be able to feed all of those people with those measly five loaves and those two fish. And yet when he gave them to the Lord, everybody went home full and satisfied. That exact same type of miracle, he can work in us. right? He can actually do powerful things in our lives, but it takes us looking at our lives honestly and saying, what have I been holding back from Jesus? What have I not been bringing to the light of my relationship of prayer with him? What have I been nervous about that, that he might call me to do something uncomfortable, and so I'm just not going to talk to him about it. And today we have the courage to bring all of that to him. To say, every single part of who I am and what I have is yours, dear Lord. And I know that you can do something great with it, even though in my eyes it looks pathetic. It looks like it's not enough, but with you, not enough doesn't exist. Right? Whatever little I have, if all of it is his, he can do something great with it. He can, in fact, make us live in a manner worthy of the call that we received. Now, you might still say, okay, but practically day to day, I get it. I need to bring everything to God in prayer. All of the good and all of the bad and all of the ugly. There's, in fact, a beautiful thing. Just yesterday, I was talking to this, uh, this young man who's head over heels in love with this girl. And, and he was recounting this conversation he had with her where he said, like, just want her to know that like every part of her the good and the bad like I love it obviously the bad stuff we can work on but that's not a deal breaker for me right because I love her in her wholeness and I thought that's a man in love but that just pales in comparison to how much God loves us there's so many parts of us ourselves that we've come to hate that God still says like oh I can redeem that that can be beautiful. That can be wonderful. I can work wonders through that. But you just got to let go of it. Give it to me. So what then practically does this look like? First of all, in prayer, we bring him everything. But secondly, how we are toward one another. St. Paul says that we are to live with all humility and gentleness. Now, that could be our examination of conscience at the end of every day this week. We can say, did I live with all humility and gentleness? Did I at least strive for that? Because the root of every sin is ultimately pride. Ultimately saying, okay, me first, everybody else second. My, my concerns trump anyone else's. And, and any time that we start living that way, we start building up our own island. that disconnects us from everybody else and God first of all. 
So we can ask ourselves, do I have that humility of wanting to maybe listen before I speak? That humility of seeking to understand the other. That humility of recognizing maybe I'm not right all the time. That humility of being able to say, you know what? We've been estranged for a decade. I don't feel like I'm in the, ro- in the wrong here. I feel like the fault lays completely on the other side. You know what? I don't care. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to be the one in humility to say, I probably messed up in more ways than I can even see. Because let's face it, I'm not omniscient. I don't know everything. So I'm just going to admit some fault, move forward, and try to reconcile. With patience. That's the tough one. We pray for it, we pray for it, and then we hate every occasion that we ever have to grow in it. And yet, the patient, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, she has this beautiful line, well, beautiful kind of uh, convicting line, where she says, the impatient person has a foretaste of hell. And I remember reading that, and I was like, all right, get to the point, Catherine, what do you mean? Um, But what she means there is that if you look back on the moments of impatience that you've had with other people, with God, with yourself, you realize that it strips all peace away from you. You start getting frantic about uh, how you need to be served in that moment. And you realize impatience is the outgrowth of pride, right? Just like every other sin. But it's also just... Such an uncomfortable feeling to be in. That feeling of being so upset with another person, so hateful toward them, toward yourself, sometimes toward God himself. And it's that that God wants us to fight against if we're to live in a manner worthy of the call we've received, if we are to give over every part of ourselves to him. Bearing with one another through love and striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Right? That's ultimately the goal, is to live each day remembering that you're not to live in isolation. Here are my little five loaves and two fishes, and the rest of you can fend for yourself. But instead to say, I, in my relationship to God, am in a deep relationship with every single person God loves. Do you know who that is? Absolutely everybody. But especially those whom he has called to be his sons and daughters through baptism. And so I can think, do I live in unity with these people around me? Like, do do I actually have the bond of peace with the people that are in the pews? Or is this just this kind of empty ceremony that I go through very often? Well, if we've answered that question with, oh, I don't know, it's not not doing so hot on the uh, unity and peace part, you're in luck. Because in every single Mass, we beg for peace. First with God. We say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. But then He does, in fact, create that peace between us. He forgives us our sins. He brings us back into communion. And then He allows for something wonderful. When the guy up there says, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And you say, and with your spirit. Right there, there's already peace created in the community. And then it's offer each other the sign of peace. And at that moment, we grow in our ability to be peaceful people. We grow in our ability to say, you know what? I was wrong. Part of me is still thinking you were more wrong, but I'm not even going to say that. And I'm going to pray to God that those feelings can just escape me. Because I want peace more than I want to be right. That peace is then offered one to the other. 
and a beautiful reflection on that sign of peace by uh, Archbishop Wester, actually, is that at that moment, right there, at that moment of sacrifice, what we say to each other when we offer the sign of peace is, as Christ gave up his life for me, I would give up my life for you. Because that's what created peace between God and myself. And that's how much I want to love you. It's that kind of peace that we work toward. It's that kind of peace that is the result of giving everything to the Lord in prayer. And in living in a manner worthy of the call we have received.